appreciate the energy. Uh, even with the fans going on, uh, it's awesome. Amen? I hope you're encouraged by that. Um, we have been doing the Minor Prophet series called uh, Major Change Through the Minor Prophet. So we're going to continue that series today. But, you know, we really need God to be with us. And when we come to worship, you're in the right place. I, I, I tell everybody this. When you're here worshiping, you're in the right place because you were made by God to worship. And when you're doing the things God needs you to do, you're going to feel a sense of rightness. You're going to feel a sense of fulfillment. Let's ask God to be with us right now as we study His Word. Let's open our minds up. And let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we bow our heads to you, knowing that you created all things. Father, we need you. We need your presence in our life. We need your wisdom. We need your inspiration. Father, we gain our confidence from your love. We gain our confidence from your trustworthiness. Father, thank you so much for the time to gather with the Inland Empire Church of Christ Fellowship. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here to think about you to connect with you, to connect with one another, and to be called higher by you and your spirit. Father, be with us now. Open our hearts and minds as we study the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, major change through the minor prophets is the theme, and today's title is going to be God's Radical Plan. God's Radical Plan from the book of Habakkuk. That's where we're at. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things going on. I don't know. We made a plan to help evangelize athletes in the L.A. church. So the campus ministry started the L.A. Basketball League. Now, they have a soccer league going on or a soccer tournament. Uh, that was back in June. We didn't win. Sorry. I can't remember who won. It wasn't us. We have the basketball that goes on between the teams and campus. But we decided to do basketball as well. But I, I think that's a good thing. And I think we need more and more plans. Anyway, we had the basketball league in the month of July, probably didn't even know about this. But it was for everybody. It wasn't just for the campus. We had old guys like Stephen Quinlan playing. Uh, and even older guys on other teams. The Orange County had some real old guys, grayer than me, playing, uh, actually making a few buckets. But it turned out the Inland Empire prevailed, and we are the L.A. Church champions. Trophy up now. How many of you were around in the LA church when the original LA basketball league existed? Okay, only a handful. Okay, I thought it was awesome when we had that league. Many, many thought it was too competitive, and maybe the evangelists in the church took it too serious in competing with each other between churches and regions of the church. But it was an amazing way to get, uh, you know, outreach for, for uh, people that love sports. Uh, it was also a great time to cheer on people you love, like sort of like having a home team. And that's kind of my vision. I think it would be great for the L.A. Church to have regional competition uh, in the spirit of brotherly kindness and love and, and competitiveness in a spiritual way. Uh, so I'm hoping we can institute this on a much grander scale in the years to come. We will do it again next year. If you've got basketball skills, Adrian, you've got to start practicing for next time. Amen. Get some old guys out there. Uh, it's open to any age. So, congratulations, IE. Uh, how many of you want to know the current plans with our building construction? Anyone to know? How many of you want to know? All right, I'll tell you the plan. We got approval on our overall layout. 
been waiting for the city to approve um, our, our, our design changes that the architects came up with, uh, change a little bit of the use. We're actually going to put a room like right there on the second level. We're going to have a sound booth like right there above Jessica's head. It's going to be on the second level. The sound booth is going to be facing that way. We'll all be turned around looking at the stage. The wall will come down. And all these changes had to be approved now, and they were. Now the architects, are, our, our engineers are coming on uh, Tuesday of next week, uh, and they're going to meet in here, and they're going to figure out all the engineering quality stuff, and then those designs will be submitted to the city. Once those are approved, they'll be looking for a building permit. Once we get a building permit, we're going to build. How long will that take, Darren? Okay, a long time. Think long. We don't really know how long, but you can tell you better think long so that you're mentally prepared. The building permits take a while to get, okay, but we're going to submit those in the next couple months. And then we'll see how long it takes for them to approve, and then we'll begin to build. We will eventually build this into an awesome worship facility. Amen? But it's already an awesome worship facility because you're here. Because Jeanette is here, right? Because Brandy's here. It's already an awesome worship facility. Amen. All right, I got a little bit more about God's plan before we get into Habakkuk. You know, there is a worldwide plan right now. Uh, uh, it's called ICOC, uh, International Church of Christ 3.0. And this is, uh, if you go on our, our international webpage called disciplestoday.org or .com, you go on Disciples Today, you will find information about this, uh, this worldwide plan to try to organize our international fellowship a little more clearly. The idea being we want to accomplish more. We want to be a little more streamlined. We want to do some bigger events and, and have some authority amongst one, one another to strengthen each other. So there's this movement of some of the church leaders around our fellowship who, who want to organize a little bit more uh, in detail than we are. Right now, our organization is we're all independent fellowships. We meet for an annual conference, and we have delegates from different churches that come together to make some decisions. But, but not a lot of big worldwide decisions get made too quickly, and we feel like we can move a little bit more quickly in certain areas. So there's some movement towards that. It's a Holy Spirit thing. We don't know what's going to be. It's not going to really change too much of our practical life, but it might a little bit. It might enable us to, uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit will work, and if these plans come together, uh, it'll just organize us more even internationally um, with other churches. Maybe you'll hear more about it. If you'd like to learn about it, please go on our international website, information portal, Disciples Today, and read up all the information, all the lessons are there if you're interested in that. All right? If you're not... Tell me what you think. I'll bring my, my thoughts to, to the table. Uh, we're going to be having some more meetings in the coming weeks, coming months. And hopefully in October, some, some decisions will be made when all the church leaders from around the world gather in Chicago. And we're going to talk about maybe some plans to just strengthen us. Um, we're really not sure where it's going to go. It, it, maybe it'll take a couple more years before anything definitive gets done. But practically speaking... We have a church to build right here in the Inland Empire. It's called the Inland Empire Church of Christ. Amen? And God wants us to do some great things here. There are about 4 million people in the Inland Empire. There's a lot of work to do. And if you haven't noticed, the world is still messed up. Needs God. Habakkuk lived at a time when the world was messed up. He is a contemporary of Jeremiah, lived in maybe the year just a little before 600 A.D., and he was at a time when the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, they were not really obeying the word of God. And we had been reading about the minor prophets. 
prophets. And the minor prophets are strong and they're edgy and they're rebuking and they're going after sin. Habakkuk is, is a little different in the sense of his book here, it's only three chapters, is really him appealing and asking God, hey God, what are you going to do about all the things going on? I want to begin there in Habakkuk chapter 1. Why don't you turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 1. We're going to begin to read a little bit from Habakkuk chapter 1, God's plan. Alright, we'll begin in verse 1 of Habakkuk. And I want you to see what, what's going on here is that Habakkuk, he wants something great to happen. He's, he's unhappy. The title says Habakkuk's complaint. So turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 1. Let's read in verse 1. It says, The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Habakkuk's complaint. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He's like, why is the world so messed up? And the world is messed up. Every time you can open the newspaper, click on the newspaper on your computer, and you read the headlines, terrible things are going on. You know, rape across the globe. Terrible atrocities towards women across the globe. War and greed. Self-indulgence destroying lives. I mean, it's just, it's just as bad now as it was 20 years ago, which is just as bad as it was 40 years ago, which is just as bad as it was 100 years ago, which is just as bad as it was in the days when Jesus walked the earth and in the days when Habakkuk walked the earth. The world's messed up. You are needed because this world is messed up. And so he appeals to God, God, what you, how long before we see some before we see something change? And then look what God says. Look in the next verse, verse 5. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. God says something is going to happen. God does have a radical plan for this world. And He sees the injustice that goes on and has always seen it. He cares about it. And He wants there to be a change. He's interested in people's lives changing. He's looking at this world and he says, watch. And he tells Habakkuk, you will not believe what I'm going to do. What he's talking about is in verse 6, he says, I'm going to send the Babylonians. You've been hearing about them. They were a wicked, powerful nation. And he ended up sending them in to discipline uh, Israel and Judah, as well as other nations. They took over the whole world, the whole developed world at that time. And were a very powerful nation. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian Empire, was powerful. And, and what shocked you know, Habakkuk was, why are you going to use this wicked nation to 
said, I mean, yeah, we're wicked, but you're going to use somebody more wicked than us to discipline us. He said, yep. I'm going to do some stuff you've never believed. You're not even going to be able to understand it. It's going to blow your mind. But I have a plan. In our world today, something crazy is going to happen. You know how I know? It always happens. You go back a hundred years. About a hundred years ago, World War One got started. A hundred years ago. Hey, that would have been pretty shocking that the biggest nations in the world are at war. Hey, the war ended, there was peace, and then guess what happened? About 10 years after that or so, 15, the Great Depression hit. The world went into economic calamity in 1929. Stock market died. People were poor. You had people, nobody had food. It was terrible. Calamity. Hey, you know what? Guess what happened about 10, 15 years later? 10 years later, World War II happened. Hey, that was pretty shocking. We still have movies all about that. That mesmerized the minds of mankind. Hey, what happened after that? You know, then you had nuclear proliferation, right? America and Russia began developing nuclear bombs, and the thought, you know, was came into the minds of the human race. Oh my goodness, there's a bomb that can kill us instantly, a whole city. That went on for quite some time, and we developed into this thing called the Cold War. You guys heard of that? And, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, really was the Cold War, America and Russia. And, you know, they had this world, world plan to keep peace. You know what it was called? It was called MAD. M-A-D. Mutually Assured Destruction. That's what was keeping peace in the world. The, the, you were assured that if we went to war, we'd all die. So I want you to think, I mean, I lived, grew up in the 70s and 80s, and now, you know, like there, was people, there was some concern about bombs. So we actually had a few times, we had, had these bomb your chair, or you have these bomb uh, drills at school where you have to get under your chair. And, you know, there were times, I'm not old enough, but, you know, probably Mike is, he's not here right now, he can tell us about going into actual shelters underground. It was an interesting time. But, you know, it, it made you think on a big scale, like, wow, what's going on in the world? It opened your eyes up, and it did lead people to think about eternal things. You know, after the Cold War ended, you know, the, one of the biggest things that hit was really 2001, right? 9-11 hit. And we realized there's international you know, terrorism around the world. That things aren't all hunky-dory. I mean, there's going to be challenges. And we've been living, you know, if you've grown up since then, a lot of the teens, they all, that's in the life you know. I know Caitlin, she was an infant. Uh, when the Twin Towers were hit. I remember she was like six months old when uh, 9-11 happened. And she don't remember the event itself. Kyle was like three. But they've grown up in a world where this understanding of, of terrorism exists and there's this little fear. You never know. There could be a bombing somewhere. Uh, certainly in the Middle East, the countries that we serve, we know there's uh, political turmoil all the time. Uh, be praying for Mike and Libby, or Mike actually and, and, and myself. Uh, we are going to the Middle East next week. We're going to Cairo, Egypt. Uh, Mike will be there for like almost a whole month. I'm going to go for 10 days. But there is some unrest over there. And we're going to strengthen our church. They need us. They need the encouragement. Uh, they need the faith encouragement. Uh, but a lot of people are afraid to go there because there's political turmoil. You guys with me? And here's the thing. We remember what happened in 2008, 2009. If you owned a home, what happened? You lost your home, a lot of people. Your home, you went from having some money to having no money. And people lost jobs and companies. People can't. How many, were, how many of you were involved in the real estate industry before 2008? Okay, a handful of us. Okay, but there's a lot less now, right? Things change.
affected our lives. Well, here we are in 2017. Things have been going all right. Now, we do have Donald Trump, so there's, there's some unrest there in people's minds. But, but God says, look at the nations and watch. I tell you, watch. Trust me. God is going to do something. Why? Because He always does something to get our minds off making money and get our minds on eternity. Country's doing well financially right now. Things are moving along. Houses are back up in five. Businesses are working. Things seem okay. Just look at the nations, and I'm here to tell you, watch. God is interested in more than the prosperity of a nation. He is interested in the souls of mankind. Amen? God has a plan for this world. And I want you to skip on down to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. I love this verse. As he's going through this, this uh, lament to God and calling on God, then God tells him, listen, he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow. In 600, you know, a little before 600 A.D., or 600 B.C., he writes these words. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I mean, they were thinking global. God has always thought global. What is He interested in? Why are you here? To be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's His plan. That we would understand the glory of God. You are made to be in relationship with God. God's presence is to be known. And in the middle of world calamity, the only peace is an eternal peace. And there will be world calamity. You, you mark it down. It's going to happen. It always does. But will you use that as something to lift your eyes? Or will you in fear be scared of what, whatever it is? This year, next year, maybe five years, something's going to happen. Are you walking? You know, when it happens to a, a faithful man or God, a faithful woman of God, it, it's just an opportunity to reveal the glory of the Lord. And he said it right here in Habakkuk. He wants the whole globe to, to see his glory. Does he want people to know him? Absolutely he wants people to know him. He wants people to think about him. And he is not against world calamity to get us thinking about him, to get us becoming spiritual. He did it to his own people that he chose in the Old Testament, and he will do it to the whole world. And he'll constantly do it until he ends the human race. Because he wants as many as possible to understand how great he is. I don't want to scare the kids in here, but I do want you to be thinking, hey, are you aware of the glory of the Lord? Are you filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? That's what he, you're here for God's glory. You were made for a reason. And in this complex world that we have, there's some stuff for you to be doing. Amen. Let's go to point two. Point two is God's plan for you. So he has a plan for the world, and that's to reveal his glory. He's going to cause some calamity. Just you're, you're, you need to watch and wait and be prepared for it. But you know, he has a plan for you personally. He absolutely has a plan. Let's go back to chapter two, verse one. I want to read a little bit here in the beginning of Habakkuk chapter two, verse one. All right? Verse one, and I have the, 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 the salient point that I want you to get right there, but I want to read it. Turn with me in your Bible to verse one. It says, I will stand at my watch. 
station myself on the ramparts, I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. The righteous shall live by faith. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may, may run with it. God said, okay, I'm going to give you the plan. And I want it to be something where you really can live this way. I'll write it down on tablets, maybe a reference to the, the two tablets that Moses wrote the Ten Commandments on. And then he goes on and he says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. God has a plan. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See? His desires are not upright. He's talking about the Babylonians. He's talking about the ungodly. But the righteous will live by his faith. What is the plan for our world? What is the plan for you? Habakkuk was wondering, what's going to happen here? And he says, wait, I have a plan. And right here in Habakkuk, we get one of the most famous verses in the Bible. One of the most quoted verses in the New Testament. In fact, it's quoted three times in the New Testament. In Romans 1, in Galatians, and in Hebrews, we hear, the righteous will live by his faith. Or his faithfulness. Most translations think it should be translated just by his faith. The righteous will live by his faith. That's the plan. Well, what is that all about? See, what do you mean by that? God has a plan for each individual person. He has a plan. The world's a mess, and it's really hard to be spiritual in our world. It's hard to think spiritually in our world. It's hard to live a life of righteousness in our world. It's hard to simply do everything right, isn't it? But his plan, he said, wait for it. It's going to happen. And he gave this plan through Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, and his outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth. I, I don't suppose to understand the full depth of what it means. The righteous will live by faith. But you know, a lot of us, we live by how good we do things. A lot of us live by how much money we make. A lot of us live by, okay, say you become a Christian, and, you know, you, you no longer, okay, I don't value money, and I don't want to be worldly, and I don't want to do all these things. God is safety. But then you begin to value yourself based on all the good works that you do. How many people did you bring to church? How many, you know, souls did you save? How many good deeds did you do for hope worldwide? And we begin to value ourselves based on work. But the scriptures say man will live a righteous man by his faith. His faith. God's plan for you is that you would feel free of the shackles and burdens of guilt. And the shackles and burdens comparison to other people. His goal for every one of us, he says that we will live the righteous. Now the actual, in the Hebrew, there's only three words in that sentence. The righteous, the, to live, and faith. Three words. You know, the Old Testament, Moses brought the Ten Commandments, which when the 
Hebrew scholars evaluated it, they actually calculated 630 commands in the Old Testament and the book of Moses. You know, in Psalm 15, David says, Who may enter your holy, on, be on your holy hill? He breaks it down into about eight basic commands, if you want to read that. But Habakkuk reads one command. One command. The righteous will live by faith. The whole of God's plan for the human race. And you know, he said that in Ezekiel. He says, People just won't follow me. People are sinful. I know I have tried for 27 years to be really spiritual and righteous. I'm still sinful. I try hard, but there's times that I just don't, I don't, I don't do it. I'm either lazy, or I'm greedy, or I'm lustful, or I'm angry, or I'm not fired up enough, or I'm, or I'm just boring, or, or I'm mean to my kids, or I'm unorganized, or I'm vulgar in heart. I try so hard, but you know, in and of, if you just rank what I actually did every single day, Seven years ago, but I'm not righteous based on things I've done. I am righteous by faith in God. Abraham, Jesus, declared righteous because he trusted God. By faith, you just live by faith. You know, the other thing that goes with this is by faith we receive the Holy Spirit. We repent and are baptized by faith. We receive this gift from God that Jesus poured out, the Holy Spirit, which actually said, I'm going to move people. I'm going to get inside of people and help people actually follow Jesus. A lot of us don't think we can, we can be spiritual, or there's certain in our, things in our life we just, we, we just don't feel like we can, we feel depressed, because uh, we can't get it. the way you think and the way you feel. You're simply being asked to live by faith. The righteous, you're made righteous by God's mercy and grace. And you're given this gift. The Holy Spirit is available for all of us to live by faith. The Holy Spirit will fill you and enable you to live a righteous life, to think spiritually. In your flesh, you're not perfect. But God's refining your flesh. He's getting, you know, at least hopefully you feel guilty when you sin. Good. It makes you want to repent and connect with that Holy Spirit again. But you're righteous because of God's grace. And that's a gift of God. His plan for you is to live by faith. His plan for you is to be different by faith. His plan is for you to have, He has a dream for your individual life. To become something awesome by faith. Not by how great you are, but by faith in God. His plan is to live by something bigger than this world. And I hope today, whatever stage of life you're in, you'll connect to that plan. It's a plan he predicted 2,500 years ago. The righteous live by faith. We need to be a congregation that lives by faith. Gets our energy. Not living by sight, but by faith. Right? Not living by works, but by faith. Not living, you know, by, by comparison to each other, but trusting God. And there's a story I want to tell you. It's an interesting story about Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation. 
the story goes that this verse changed his life. And he went to Rome on a pilgrimage to see some of the historical sites in Rome, like a lot of us do. Carrie and I actually got to go. And there's one particular church in, in Rome where history says that they removed the stairs from Pontius Pilate's um, uh, palace in, in Palestine back when Jesus was standing before him. And they say that his blood had fallen on the stairs. And so we're not sure it's totally historically how this is, but this is tradition. Even Martin Luther in the 1500s, this is his tradition. He went to Rome and went to this church where they say they had removed the stairs that of Jesus himself was standing on when he bled. They put him in this great church in Rome. And, and all the Catholic priests were told, hey, you need to, to do your penance uh, by crawling on your hands and knees up these very stairs that supposedly Jesus bled on. And say if every time you go up one stair, you say, God, please forgive me for all my sins. And you go up another stair on your hands and knees. And you're sort of doing penance and getting, and getting forgiven by the Pope. And, and sadly, that's, that's where religion had got. It was about works and acts and, and self-denial in the sense of, you know, hey, I did more than you. I, I climbed more stairs on my knees. And the story goes that Martin Luther, as he's climbing up, this verse will hang on his entire mind. The righteous, I'm not righteous because I'm on my knees hurting myself on these stairs, on the stairs that Jesus' blood has been on. I'm righteous by God's grace through my faith. I live by faith. And he got up, the story goes, he got up right in the middle of it, got back on a, a trip to his homeland, and started Reformation by placing on the door of the, the, the Catholic uh, building in his town the 95 pieces that are wrong with what's going on in Catholicism at that time. But this verse is so sickening. Why don't you see eyes and mind to know here's what really matters. God looks at each of us and doesn't want you to live by the world standard or even church standard. Things going on. We need to reach out to lost souls and bring people to church and study the 
Bible with each other and, and plan services and plan events. And we've got a lot of big stuff going on. But we need to do it not because we have to, but because we are connected to the Son of God. Amen, church. I hope you feel that way. Let's be a church that lives by faith. That's His plan for you where you are. And nothing else will make you righteous. Amen? The last thing I want to bring up is God's plan for the church. God's plan for the church. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, in verse 2 it says, Lord, It does then leave 
a little hole in our group, doesn't it? And God has a plan for the church. I want you to be praying for what the future will hold for our church because we've not decided on it yet. We have some ideas. I bet you might have a few ideas. Uh, we're not sure where we're going to go. The core group is going to be meeting and deliberating on should we bring up another couple, you know, the thought is maybe maybe bring up uh, Stu and Ashley up here to, to partner uh, with Terry and I, and uh, that, that might work well. Uh, maybe hire some younger people. Maybe we need to hire another couple somewhere out. We're not totally sure. We think we're, 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 we think we know, but we're, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm telling you as a congregation, I want you to know, if you have an idea, please talk to the staff. We want to hear you out. We want to listen. We want the Holy Spirit to guide us because He does have a plan for this church in the Inland Empire. He has a church for the Rancho, I mean, a plan for the Rancho Church. He has a plan for the Riverside Church. He has a plan for the desert. And He has ultimately a plan to build us. And I want to say this it is time to build. His plan involves, we read earlier, His glory being known. It is time to bring a friend to church. It is time to care about your hair stylist and invite them to church. It's time to share with the grocery clerk and invite them to church. It's time to share with your teachers. We have our Hero Sunday coming. Police officers, firemen, nurses, doctors, mentors, teachers, anyone who's been a hero in your life, anyone you know is a hero to somebody else, bring them out on September 10th for a huge, well, I hit like a thousand people in the Seventh-day Adventist or in the uh, La Sierra University Auditorium on September 10th. Amen? Be praying about that event. We want it to be awesome. And then I also want to remind you that on August, uh, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, or is it 15th, 16th, and 17th, we're doing a Disciple Makers Conference on that weekend. Because we are a church that changes the world. And we want to train everybody here. How do we unveil the Word of God and allow it to change the soul of a man or a woman? The Disciple Makers Conference is for all disciples. God's plan is to change the world. And you know, you may not see the changes right now. I want to close out with a very encouraging scripture. The last verses of the book of Habakkuk. So turn with me. Open up your Bibles to the last verses. And if you didn't bring your Bible, I have it on the screen. We'll close here. It says, Though the fig tree does not budge, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the salt, if things don't seem right now perfect in your life or in the church or in whatever's going on, mark this next verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is. Because we're going to build the kingdom of God in 